You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark DeLegge. Acetaminophen is one of the most common medications causing liver failure. But what other medications or combinations should physicians be aware of for the potential to cause liver injury? Joining us to discuss drug-induced liver injury is Dr. Rowan Zetterman, Professor of Internal Medicine at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and Chief of Staff at Nebraska Western Iowa VA Healthcare System. Welcome, Dr. Zetterman. Rowan, I hear a lot about medications either on television or read about the potential for side effects, anywhere from this drug may cause your vision to go away or something else to happen, but I always hear about the potential for drug-induced liver injury. How common is this problem? Well, drug-induced liver injury can occur with some frequency, and it depends on the type of medication that the patient takes. If you really talk about very severe types of liver injury, for most drugs, you're talking about perhaps one patient out of every 10,000 that develops it. So it's actually not very common for the general population. There are some medicines, however, that if you simply take enough of that medication, that medication can directly cause liver injury. And so that in those kinds of medications, you want to be cautious and make sure that the patients are well advised of the potential dangers. In the United States, do you think that drug-induced liver injury is more common than, say, in the rest of the world? Well, there certainly are some factors that could make it more likely, but in fact, the answer is overall probably not. In fact, as you know, we have a pretty careful control of medications in this country, and so studies are done prior to marketing that look for it. But in fact, we also need to do additional studies after marketing to collect even more information. Most medications, for example, aren't tested on 10,000 people prior to marketing, so you may not recognize severe drug-induced liver injury until after the medication is out and available to the patients. Rowan, with that, do you see more of these kind of phase four or post-marketing studies being watched over by the FDA? Very much so. I think this will be the future of new drugs in this country is that equally important to the pre-marketing testing to make sure that it works well for the condition of the patient, that it also has post-marketing studies done so that they collect a large amount of information and look for other things that are very rare and uncommon. As a gastroenterologist, I know that liver injury can get very complicated. I'm assuming that with drug-induced liver injury, we're not talking about just one kind of injury, that there probably are multiple types. Are there, and you know, can they be kind of differentiated? Yes, there are actually many different kinds of drug-induced liver injury that can occur. The most common are things that either damage the liver cell itself. We call these hepatitis-like drugs. But there also are medications that can change the flow of bile inside of the liver. And they produce a condition that we call cholestasis, in which the bile slows down as it flows through the liver. The patient will usually develop itching and jaundice of their skin. But there are a variety of other conditions that can occur. There are even medications that can be associated with liver cancer development. An example of the last one would be anabolic steroids that bodybuilders or athletes sometimes utilize to try and make their muscles stronger. 
And in fact, later in life, after they've used medications like that, they may be at risk for development of liver cancer. So there's a whole variety of types of liver injury that can occur with any of these medications. As I'm sitting in my office talking to a patient, I'm about to prescribe a medication, should I be aware of any particular type of patient that's more susceptible to developing drug-induced liver injury? Well, there certainly are, are some patients that are a little greater risk. For example, the elderly patient, and unfortunately for those of us that are past 50, you could qualify over the age of 50 as elderly. Those of us who are past age 50 have a greater risk of developing drug-induced liver injury than we would when we're younger. There's also been some thoughts in the past that women may actually be at greater risk of drug-induced liver injury than men, although I think the more recent studies are beginning to make that as an unlikely sort of event so that I think, in fact, we no longer believe that women are at greater risk. People that take lots of medications may be at more risk because the combination of two or more medicines may actually put the patient at a little bit of risk. And then there's other things that we might do, such as consume alcohol. Alcohol increases the metabolism of medications. And some medicines, it's not the medicine that you take, but it's how the medicine is metabolized in your body and broken down. Now, those are the things that cause the trouble. So if you have something like alcohol that revs up your metabolism of drugs, it can actually increase your risk. And, and in that relationship, for example, some of the medicines used for tuberculosis treatment seem to have a greater likelihood of liver injury in the patient who drinks alcohol to excess. Seems like alcohol is always a problem. Alcohol is always a problem. We all need to do it in moderation. It may actually have some health benefits with a small amount, but it has some potentially serious side effects with a large amount. Rowan, if I'm sitting in my office and I know perhaps my patient has some chronic liver disease, let's just say chronic hepatitis C or chronic hepatitis B, and I'm about to prescribe them medication, do I have to worry that they're at increased risk for hepatotoxicity? Um, I always advise my patients that there is always a risk with any medication they take. But in fact, there's not good evidence that the patient who has some sort of chronic liver disease actually has that much of a higher risk of drug-induced liver injury than someone else. So, for example, the use of medicines to lower blood fats and lipids those medications don't seem to have a greater risk in the patient with chronic hepatitis or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis than they would in, in a person who doesn't have those conditions. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me to discuss drug-induced liver injury is Dr. Rowan Zetterman, Professor of Internal Medicine at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and Chief of Staff at Nebraska Western Iowa VA Healthcare System. Rowan, back on drug-induced uh, liver injury, I always hear about acetaminophen as being kind of a bad boy as far as liver injury is concerned. Is it that common? And, and frankly, what's the prognosis for most patients? Acetaminophen definitely can cause very severe liver injury and, in fact, is the most common cause of acute liver failure related to medications in this country. And it occurs actually with a fairly small amount of medication for most patients, way above what they would take to control their headache or their joint pain. But in fact, a bottle of pills that most of us would buy in the drugstore carries some risk of liver injury if we would consume the entire bottle. So in fact, it is a common cause. The good news is the vast majority of people 
that gets severe liver injury from acetaminophen will generally recover as long as they're properly supported in the hospital and receive medicines that can cut down the risk of additional liver injury. But saying that, if you look across the world, a lot of patients end up with liver transplantation from acetaminophen overdose. In almost all cases, however, it's not being given for therapy, but in fact it's being used with suicidal intent. How about another group of drugs we prescribe a lot, which are antibiotics? Can they cause drug-induced liver injury? Absolutely, and in fact, the group of antibiotics probably account for the second most common collection of drugs in this country associated with either acute hepatitis-like effects or with cholestasis. Some of the common ones include the combination drugs with ampicillin, for example, as a group that can be associated with cholestasis. Sulfa drugs commonly used for lots of things are associated with a variety of types of liver injury, including hepatitis, cholestasis, development of granulomatous liver disease, so that lots of things can occur there. So yes, indeed, antibiotics probably make up the other large group within this country of common medications for drug-induced liver injury. I'd have to say that in my office, I'm seeing more and more patients arrive on some sort of supplement, a vitamin or some nutraceutical. From your perspective, are you seeing more problems with supplements or can supplements and combinations of medications cause an issue? Supplements can definitely be a problem and even in their combination with other medicines. I think the problem for many of us, including myself, is sometimes I forget to say to them, are you taking any other medicines like this, any complementary medicines? Because many patients fail to think of those as medications. And if you don't ask the right question about herbal supplements or are you something you buy over the Internet or something you're getting in your grocery store, if you don't ask for those sort of things, you may not learn about the supplements that they're actually utilizing that can be the culprit. So it's very important to take a very careful and detailed history, not only about the active medications that are being prescribed, but the over-the-counter things that they may be buying in their drugstore or their nutrition store or the grocery store that can also cause liver injury. You know, it sounds like what you're telling me is that you need to take a great history from the patient. Is there anything else as a physician I can do to prevent drug-induced liver injury? Well, I think the most important thing all of us can do is make sure we teach our patients how to use their medications so well, that they understand exactly what we mean by the dose, that they understand that if any things occur that seem out of the ordinary, that their urine gets dark or their stools are light-colored or their skin starts to itch, or they develop jaundice that they seek immediately physician help to help look at the reasons why. Sometimes the quicker you stop a medication that's at risk, the shorter the duration or the less severe the liver injury. When we're looking at hepatotoxicity from the perspective of a physician, generally is the course very predictable or is it unpredictable? No, it's actually unpredictable for the majority. There are medications like acetaminophen that you know that if you give the patient takes a certain dose of the medication, they're going to get severe liver injury. But for most of the patients who get it, it's unpredictable. Most patients don't get jaundice from antibiotics. But for a collection of patients, it can be a significant problem. And so I generally tell patients that it's unpredictable and that I don't expect any problems along the way. But in fact, usually give them some advice about if they notice anything unusual to get back in touch with me. You know, one of the questions I get from patients and actually from my brethren gastroenterologists is, are you going to see this drug-induced liver injury within the first week or could this happen months later? Uh, it can actually happen in both conditions. As a rule of thumb, 
I generally tell my patients that most drug-induced liver injury is going to occur within 30 to 60 days. But in fact, there are some medications in which it can occur months and months later. Medications used for epilepsy, for example, like phenytoin, can do it anywhere along its course. Isoniazid for tuberculosis usually does it within the first couple of months, as do most other medications such as antibiotics. And that's partly why even a short course of antibiotics for 10 days or two weeks can still give a person a pretty severe liver injury. Well, faced with the fact that you could have severe injury, what options do we have for treating patients with drug-induced liver failure? Is it waiting for the liver to fail and go on to transplantation? For most patients, it's simply stopping the medication and then never utilizing that medication again in that patient, watching them carefully uh, as they go along. If the patient develops jaundice from their medication, particularly if they have a hepatitis-like condition in which they've got really high amino transferases and become jaundiced, those are the people that really need to be looked at very carefully and watched carefully because they have the highest risk of liver failure that eventually requires liver transplantation. So my rule of thumb is if somebody calls me about such a patient, I'll generally recommend to them that they go ahead and transfer that patient to a liver transplant center to be followed, or at least make sure they're in touch with their liver transplant center to discuss it. Rowan, that was extraordinarily informative. I'd like to thank my guest from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, Dr. Rowan Zetterman. Dr. Zetterman, thank you very much for being our guest this week on GI Insights. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America Incorporated. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.